Just a little bit of furniture rearranging here. Thank you, Fernando. Awesome. <laughs> we'll trade. Fantastic. Well, 2021, the start of a brand new year. We're only a couple weeks in, and already so much has happened in our world. Lots to pray for. Well, thanks so much to Tom Irwin. If you tuned in last week, you saw Tom preaching, and uh, he was able to give me a break, and I'm deeply appreciative. Our family got up to Mount Washington and went snowshoeing, and uh, there's the family having fun. Uh, and then my beautiful wife suggested I stay over in Courtney and go skiing by myself on Monday. Bless that woman. There was over 300 centimeters of powder. I love her. So, uh, thank you very much, uh, Tom. It was a great time as a family. I want to let you know what's coming up in the next uh, three and a half months. Uh, next week, January 17th, right up to March 21st, we start a 10-week journey through the book of Micah from the first half of the Bible. Micah is one of those minor prophets with a major message, and I think it'll be uh, an exciting journey uh, for all of us to go through. And that leads us right up to March 21st. Well, the following Sunday, the 28th of March, is Palm Sunday. And we're really excited to have uh, Mark Buchanan as our guest speaker. Some of you may know Mark or have heard of him uh, from his time at New Life Church in Duncan. Uh, he's a very well-published author. I'm not sure how many books right now, but he has just published one called God Walk, and we are actually reading it as a staff. And so we're really excited to have Mark on Palm Sunday. And then, of course, we'll have our Good Friday service following that, and then our Easter Sunday service. And that will be the last time I get to preach uh, for the following three months as we begin our sabbatical on April 6th. And then you are privileged to have Dwight Geiger and his wife Sandra here uh, during that time, being interim and working with Candace and Fernando. And uh, we're excited, and Dwight is very excited for the opportunity as well. So lots of good things going on. And I just wanted to give you a glimpse into the next three months. So all of that brings us to today. And I really wanted to start the year off with a look at spiritual gifts that God in Christ has given each and every person who follows Jesus, who is a believer in Jesus. And a local church, really the reality is we can't move forward as a church and do what we're supposed to do. Lift up the name of Jesus in our community or around the world if the people that make up our church aren't using their spiritual gifts. It's all of us working together to see the name of Jesus lifted up. I want to stop this morning and just give us an illustration from the Queen of England. Queen Elizabeth, she turned 94 this past year. And her birthday actually falls in April, but the customary practice is that the palace, Buckingham Palace, always celebrates the Queen's birth on a sat birthday on a Saturday in June. I guess the weather's nicer, it's sunny out. And so they choose a Saturday in June, and locals and foreigners come to Buckingham Palace, they look at the gates, they want to see the Queen. Usually there's uh, representatives of several military units will march past and then they get the Royal Air Force to fly over in the jets. Um, but one of the most unique features of the Queen's birthday is even though it's her birthday and normally on your birthday you get the presents, 
On the queen's birthday, she gives gifts to other people. She usually honors a number of people during the celebration, people who demonstrate acts of bravery in the face of disaster. British and Commonwealth citizens who have achieved great things are given knighthood. How cool is that? The queen with the sword there touching you on the shoulder, giving you a knighthood. Sir Darren, I like the sound of that. Okay, it's probably not going to happen ever, but that's okay. So actors, musicians, artists who have a lifetime achievements are often given the commander of the order of the British Empire, often military personnel for British or Commonwealth uh, that have done extraordinary things so they can win the CBE medal, the commander of the British... Uh, commander of the Order of British Empire. There's another award called the Officer of the Order of the British Empire. And it's, again, people who have done significant things. Oftentimes it's architects who have designed unbelievable structures or, or politicians, uh, again, actors, uh, musicians, artists, those kind of people. And so this is a neat aspect of the queen's birthday that she's giving away gifts. She's giving away these honors to people. And all of a sudden, it rings a chord, doesn't it? It reminds us as Christians that, wait a second, there's a parallel here. Because we ultimately serve a king who is far above Queen Elizabeth in his power, his majesty, and and his glory. And Each and every week, we don't just celebrate Jesus' birth once in the year. We do certainly do that at Christmas. But we actually give honor and praise and glory to Jesus each and every week as we gather as Christian believers all over the world and gather for worship. This weird time, it's online. But as we give honor to Christ with our praise and worship, yet He is the one who bestows the greatest gifts on us. Each person who receives Jesus the Lord and Savior is given a spiritual gift. Not interesting. It's his birthday, but he gives the gifts. And there's a passage in the Bible, Romans chapter 12, that really talks about this. And I want to dive into verses 3 to 5. It says, For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, But to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body. And each member belongs to all the others. You know, a local church really is a group of people that God brings together. A big slice of the pie, obviously those who have been following Jesus for many years. A healthy church also has a slice of people that are at the very beginning of the journey. They've made that profession of faith, probably gotten baptized, but they're really at the beginning of the journey. And in fact, a really healthy church has a slice of people that haven't yet made that decision. They're coming to church, they're watching, they're they're being a part of it, but they're here to check it out and see whether it's true. They're here to look around and and watch the other people in the church and and decide, are these people actually walking the talk? Are they legitimate? So you put all those different slices of the pie together and it quickly becomes apparent that we actually do need each other. The lifer Christians need the brand newbies to fire up their faith. 
The skeptics need the newbies to give their testimony as to why they chose to make Jesus their Lord and Savior. And the newbies need the lifer Christians to pass on their wisdom and experience and maturity in Christ. And God in his providence says, I don't just want a random collection of people in each local church. I want a group that forms a body. The Apostle Paul is so helpful in these verses in Romans 12. First of all, he addresses pride. He says, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. You know, a church won't function really properly if we have a whole bunch of people that are extremely arrogant and think they're amazing and everyone else is kind of beneath them. When the opposite is true and we come together in humility, then we truly realize our deep need for each other. For just as each one of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Magic Johnson is considered one of the NBA's all-time greats. He won five championships with the LA Lakers during the 80s. And during an interview one time, Magic opened up about the defining moment of his entire life, the moment that changed him into the player and the person that he became. He said it was happened one summer near the end of high school. He had just graduated and he was playing in a summer uh, league in East Lansing, Michigan. And inevitably, he was the best shooter, the best dribbler, the best inside player on the team. And the basic game plan became that whole summer league was go down the court, get Magic the ball, and he will take care of the rest. And he was doing all the scoring. He was doing everything. Well, at the end of the summer league, they had a playoff and a championship little series. And of course, their team won. And as they, that last seconds ticked away on the clock and they, their team won, he was so ecstatic. He was jumping around the court and he was saying, guys, we won, we won, we won. And the whole rest of the team was on the bench. Their heads were down. And he goes, guys, what is wrong with you? We just won the championship. And they lifted up their heads and they looked him in the eye and they said, no, we didn't win. You won. And he said in that moment, everything changed for him. Because he realized for the first time in his life, it is no fun to win alone. And Magic Johnson went on to become one of the most prolific passers in the NBA. He made everyone around him on the Lakers a better player. He would do all the amazing hard work, and then he'd flip the ball over to him, and they would score. Amazing how that moment changed his life. And you know what? As Christian believers, it is no fun to win alone either. We can do so much more together than we can apart. And that's really the genius of what God is saying in Romans 12. He's saying, I'm forming you into a body. I'm bringing all the necessary parts. And when you are interdependent, when you're working together, I'm giving you the spiritual gifts so that you can accomplish my purposes. You know, I think just, I mentioned Tom Irwin preaching last week. It was, it was wonderful to work with Tom over the month of December, get him ready to, to preach. Our refugee relocation team worked so hard over the past two years, fundraising, planning, filling out paperwork, 
things I don't have time to do. And look what we have accomplished as a church, what God has done through us. We have $53,000 sitting in the bank. We have stuff organized, ready to go for housing. We have plans in place. We have a great team. Those are just two simple illustrations lately of how we are the body of Christ. We are never designed to win alone. It's an interdependent body. Well, now we come to the part in the text where Paul jumps to the actual list of spiritual gifts. We're going to pick it up in verse 6. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. J.I. Packer, the famous professor, writer, and advocate for the church, had some really important observations about spiritual gifts. He said we kind of typically think about them in two different ways. Either we tend to think of them as just natural uh, human abilities that kind of God gave us when we were born, or it's a supernatural novelty, the power to speak in tongues, to heal, to receive messages straight from God to give to others. This is what he says, we have not formed the habit of defining gifts in terms of Christ, the head of the body, and his present work from heaven in our midst. If we only think of spiritual gifts in this either-or way, we are in fact unbiblical. He says, Paul makes it clear that spiritual gifts are given in Christ. They are enrichments from Christ. 1 Corinthians, another passage that, that talks about this, 1 Corinthians 12, it really sets up the whole thing of spiritual gifts under the authority of Christ. Packer goes on to say, for Paul, it is only through Christ. It is in Christ, and by learning of and responding to Christ, that anyone is ever edified, built up. So spiritual gifts must be defined in terms of Christ as actualized powers of expressing, celebrating, displaying, and communicating Christ in one way or another, either by our words or our deeds. That's so important because it reminds us, what's the point of having spiritual gifts? It's to let people know about Christ, to to be the presence of Christ in our words and in our actions. And then that helps us understand how all the spiritual gifts fit together. Think of the spiritual gift of hospitality, not mentioned in this passage in Romans 12, but certainly in the 1 Corinthians passage. Hospitality. The point of it isn't just so people can kind of come over, have a nice social time, and go, wow, you are an amazing cook. Now, hopefully those two things happen. People have a good time and they think you're a good cook, but that's not the ultimate point of the gift of hospitality. The spiritual gift of hospitality is really a Christ-focused extension of hospitality itself. The point is that we, we do it in faith in Christ and we reach out to the stranger, the visitor, the person outside the church that desperately needs 
us to extend that hand of welcome and friendship over a meal so that person can eventually meet Jesus. As Packer says, communicating Christ in one way or another, either in our words or our deeds. All right, so we have this list in Romans 12. We have serving, encouragement, teaching, giving, leading, and mercy. I just think over the past month in the Christmas season, you know, Amanda Ray and Barry Ray and our church worked so hard on building the elements. They made up those wonderful little Christmas ornaments that most of us received. Uh, You think of the people that gave them out and helped make them, the the Hicks girls, the Phillips girls, uh, Callie, Corey, Candace Gibson, all they were part of a workshop assembling those things. And then it was a real privilege to go around and and give them out. And uh, Fernando gave lots of those. Candace and Corey, uh, Lori gave lots of those out. Bonnie Hicks handed a lot out. You know, as as we all gave those out, people in the church, obviously you were glad to, to receive them. And most of the comments were, wow, this is really beautiful. And I think that's just a really small way that two people with artistic ability served the church. I think of all the amount of gifts and cards that, that our staff received over the Christmas holidays and, and our family in particular. Many of you obviously have the spiritual gift of encouragement. It was so encouragement to read those little notes and cards and all the things that you gave us. Now, it's interesting. How do you discover your spiritual gift? Well, you do it through praying, through, through kind of thinking about it, discerning what are the ways that God has has wired me up? What are the passions inside that he has given me? But really the key is trying it out, is is putting it in action. And the key really is to not force it, not force the use of a gift you don't have. If you think about our worship team, uh, how talented they are up here, God has, has given them natural talents and then he's given them the spiritual gift of leading worship. And, and really, it sounds harsh, but a good heart is not enough. That if you have no musical ability and no spiritual gift of worship leading, as much as you want to be on the team, you probably shouldn't be on the team. That's an interesting thing. Sometimes we try to force ourselves into an area that we really aren't gifted for. On the other hand, when we serve in our area of giftedness, when, when our spiritual gift really comes into play, you know it. It feels right. It feels like God has, has supercharged the natural ability or talent he has given you. So as we start a new year, this is a great opportunity to consider and pray, what are the spiritual gifts you've been given? Remember, the point of them is to see Jesus Christ proclaimed in our words and in our deeds. There's one spiritual gift on the list that I want to focus in on particular, the Spirit-empowered, Christ-honoring gift of giving. My dad is one of seven siblings. My dad's only brother is Raymond. Uncle Ray and Auntie Doris, there they are, live in Madeira Park on the Sunshine Coast. And in his retirement years, my uncle's become quite the author. Uh, He has just published his third book. Uh, There it is up on the screen, Tracing the Fingerprint of God, Gift of Giving a Faith Journey. Uncle Ray is giving away copies of the book. I have uh, 20 copies here at the church. If you like one, just swing by the church Tuesday to Friday 
and uh, Candace will be happy to give you one of those. Uh, or come here after we're done on the Sunday morning at 11.30 as we finish up live stream. So this book really traces Ray and Doris's personal journey and how God revealed the spiritual gift of giving in their life. Here's a great little excerpt from the beginning. When Ray started out in logging as a young guy in his 20s on Nelson Island. He writes, I had married a girl, Doris Collins, who hab- whose habit included going to church. So I began to attend and came back into a relationship with the Lord. When I came back into renewing my relationship with Jesus, I was still partners in the logging business with my atheist friend. And he was okay with it. But it wasn't long until the crew I had been working with on Nelson Island began to make fun of my church attendance, calling me Rev for Reverend and other names. The general opinion was that to be a Christian, you had to be a Casper Milk Toast wimp, and it wasn't being very manly. Now that I was a follower of Jesus in his way, I had to be patient and turn the other cheek. In his Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says to turn the other cheek and to love your enemies and to pray for them. And then he puts in brackets, it messes up their heads. The one who tried to bully me most couldn't seem to let it go. But I didn't fit his wimpy notion of a Christian. I was a six foot one, 200 pound faller who rigged and topped 100 foot plus spar trees. I also won the log bucking and chopping cup at the annual regatta logger sports and still went to church on Sunday. Not too bad for a wimp. Well, the story goes on, and uh, eventually God leads Ray from uh, logging into the fishing industry, and he gets his first boat, a gillnetter, and he's quite successful at that, and he buys other boats, and eventually uh, God led him to buy a boat, the Ocean Twilight, number one, 58-foot wooden halibut boat. And he eventually was able to add another halibut license to it and finally black cod. And they earned a lot and were able to buy quota for it. This is what Ray writes about that boat. He said, we fished it with halibut gear at first and bought production up to get quota a few years later. He said, now, shockingly, it is worth over $4 million on today's market. And he says, when I look back, I ask the question, could this be another fingerprint of God on our lives? The Ocean Twilight, number one, that boat has been the sole means of the income that has allowed us to bless so many of God's ministries. Even three of our summer deckhands became ministers of the gospel, and one of them would be yours truly. So many years later, God led Ray and Doris to form a friendship with a man by the name of Pastor Yabu and his wife, Sawarta. This amazing Christian Indian couple had a ministry to orphans at a place called Chebrol in India. Ray was really struck by James 127, where it says, pure religion is this, to care for widows and orphans. Pastor Yabu had arranged for Canadian donations to the work in India to go through the Calgary-based ministry called Maranatha evangelistic society worldwide and what he was doing was asking people to sponsor one of these orphans for only $15 a month and for $15 in India at that time you could pay for a child's room board and education 
And Ray writes this. He says, I thought this was such a good deal that I should send a couple thousand dollars to this ministry. I never heard a voice from God, as some people claim, but when it came to writing out the check, it seemed that the Holy Spirit let me know that $2,000 was not enough. And so I kept raising it. $3,000, Lord? No. $4,000, Lord? Nope. I didn't have peace until I reached $15,000. And then I sent it off. In about three weeks, I got a call from India wanting to know if we had specific instructions about how the money was to be used. I said it was given for the ministry to the orphans to feed, house, and educate in the name of Jesus. And then it was at that time that Pastor Yabu invited Ray and Doris to go to India. And that trip led to years of support. That orphanage school got up to over 300 plus students, which made a huge impact on the communities around and eventually people coming to Christ. And God led Ray and Doris to support a whole bunch of other Christian ministries. Esperanza, <coughs> excuse me, the ministry out on the west coast of Vancouver Island. Tim and Cindy Bowden and their daughters were serving there for years and now are a part of our church. Ray and Doris gave a lot to Esperanza. They, they gave to a ministry in Ukraine, and the book talks about that, a whole adventure they had meeting these people and supporting these ministries in Ukraine. And then in recent years, God's added a ministry in Ghana, West Africa to their plate. And I think back and I, I think about the stories that my dad told of the family growing up, and there was Ray and my dad Jack and the five sisters and and uh, Grandpa Jim and Grandma Mary, and it was a pioneer family who didn't have much in the way of resources. Some years were pretty lean. They were extremely poor. And I think of how God has, has worked in, in all of those families' lives, but specifically Ray and Doris, to, to allow them to release such resources, to, to be the conduit for God's giving to all those ministries around the world. You know, sometimes that particular gift of, of giving isn't given a lot of play in, in sermons on spiritual gifts. And I want to say this morning that that one is just as important as the others. God can use it in amazing and incredible ways. But I don't want to create a competition. Every single one of the spiritual gifts is so important. I love how God led the Apostle Paul to write these words. He writes it with such passion and force. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. And if it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. That's it, Ocean View community and everyone listening online. I am confident that God has brought and will continue to bring the people to this church so that this church has all the spiritual gifts we need to lift up the name of Jesus right here in Ladysmith in other provinces in Canada around the world. We need to communicate Jesus Christ in our words and in our actions and we can only do that to, together because remember, it's no fun to win alone. Amen? Amen. Candace, come and pray for us.
Won't you join me in prayer this morning? Heavenly Father, Emmanuel, thank you for being with us. Thank you for your abiding presence here in our troubled world. We thank you for the rain which waters and replenishes the earth. Thank you for the turning of the seasons and the hope of spring. Thank you for sunrises and sunsets, the days, each one ordained by you, with work prepared for us to do. Thank you for worthwhile work and for the gifts you have given each of us to complete it. Thank you for food and clothing and shelter, for family, for companionship, for community, and for life itself. Forgive us, Lord, for taking these things for granted when each one is a gift from your hand. Thank you for our church community here at Ocean View. Thank you for walking with us, Lord Jesus. Help us as we walk with you to be 